seem weirder than normal today. That's what it is. Um, but I just want to make you aware of that. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. I, it's interesting, my last Sunday, it's the coldest I've ever, I think it's ever been in Oklahoma. I think the world is mad at me. And so I have some apologies to make this morning. Uh, this morning, I struggled with what to, uh, what to talk about. A lot of different things came to mind, a lot of words. I know there's no way to say all the words I want to say uh, this morning in this short time together, but I thought I would just write you a letter in a way and uh, just tell you what you mean to me and at the same time try to get us to think a little bit about what this church means to you uh, as well. So uh, this morning I just, I just want to talk about Dear Choctaw. Uh, a few years ago I spoke at a winter retreat for... Area youth groups. It was over New Year's weekend down at Camp Rock Creek, and one of those groups in attendance was Choctaw. That's where I first met uh, Titus and Tina. They were both there with the group, and I had never met them before, never heard of them. So I met this, you know, short, really excited white guy who raps a lot <laughs> and wears backwards hats, and I was like, "Hey, this this is a different kind of minister. I like this cat." Uh, no. Um, and I, I grew to really like them in that short time. And then later that year, I spoke one evening at a church camp for multiple groups. And once again, uh, Choctaw was there. And after the lesson, a sweet lady came up to me and said, Do you remember me? And I, you, you ever, you ever like recognize a face, but you don't know the name? And you're, you're just sitting there panicking. She says, You liked your chocolate milk warm when you were a baby. I'm going to guess nobody's ever said that to you. I'm going to guess that spot on your bingo card uh, remains uncovered. Uh, That sweet lady was Judy Van Curen, who I guess I knew this but didn't really because I was so young, but she babysat me when she attended and more. And so she knows my family really, really well, and her and Billy out at camp that night reminded me of all of our history uh, between our families. And then later that year... When Choctaw, when you decided to look for an associate minister, Titus and Tina, I guess, had the idea of reaching out to me. And they let Marty know and encouraged him to do so. Uh, Marty gave me a a letter recently, a a few months ago, that had a few letters of recommendation, one of those being from Judy Van Curen. I hold on to that. And one random afternoon while I was sitting in my office room on my computer, I get a call from a Marty Kessler, and as they say, the rest was history. I'll be honest with you, I never thought I'd be in Choctaw. I just didn't know much about Choctaw at all. It wasn't in the circles of churches I remembered being a part of growing up. I didn't have many or any connections to this town. I think I had only been in Choctaw once my entire life uh, for a basketball game in high school. And I didn't know anything about this congregation before I arrived. So I never thought I'd be here. Yet God had other plans, and I thank God that he did. Uh, I am better and stronger today than when I arrived here because of God and because of you. And it is my hope and prayer that you, the church in Choctaw, can say the same. That you are better and stronger from my short time with you here This morning, I would like to share a few scriptures with you that have been on my heart the past week or two as I think about you and and as I try to find the right words to tell you uh, in this time. And I hope that you can also explore how you think and feel about Choctaw because that matters too. And so 
first, I want to tell you this morning, dear Choctaw, I love you. And if you have your Bible, uh, this first passage comes from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. And it will be on the screen, but if you want to, there's two passages I want to look at together in our time that we have this morning. Dear Choctaw, I love you. Uh, When Paul wrote to this church in Philippi, he starts off this letter with affirming his love and his feelings and his thankfulness and gratitude for this church. He had a special relationship with them. And and I want you to notice what he says here, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He would go on to say, It is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. He starts by maybe in our words this morning saying, I I deeply love you. And I can't help but be thankful for you all. And every time I think of you, what comes to mind is gratitude. This church had a special relationship with Paul. He calls them, notice two different words in those, in those passages, a partner and a partaker. They were a partaker of grace with him. They are fellow Christians, those who have um, enjoyed the salvation, jo- enjoyed the blood of Jesus that has covered them and changed their situation. But he also calls them partners. They supported his work financially. They supported his work spiritually. They seem to be a church that's praying for Paul even now in prison And Paul says, you are my fellow partaker of grace with me, but you are my partner in the gospel. They're a part of this mission work. When we think of missionaries and their work, often we think of all the work they're doing. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're walking, they're knocking on doors, all of that. It's a great and hard work they do. But there is no them without a church that supports them. By saying partners, Paul is saying any good, whatever good that comes from me, my service, and my ministry, that is not only because of me, but it's because of you. Paul says the credit doesn't go to only me, but to you also. Of course, it goes to God first and foremost alone, but he says the credit is shared. Paul is saying, I'm not doing this alone. Listen, any service that you render to God whether it be providing food or water or clothing for somebody in need, whether it be visiting somebody who needs encouragement, whether it be teaching a soul about Jesus, whether it be investing in the souls of young people, whether it be building up somebody else through their words, almost always there is somebody else partnering in that good work with you. There's almost always someone supporting you in some way to make that ministry happen. I echo Paul in this when I think of you. If there is anything good that I have done in my time here, I I can tell you this, I didn't do it alone. It was all with God's help, but it was greatly with your help. I could not have done any of the lessons or the classes or anything like that, any of the encouragement maybe that I brought without your encouragement. I couldn't have done anything without your support. 
this eldership has been one of the most supporting uh, elderships I have ever encountered in my time in ministry. Um, the way they treat me has been incredible, and I appreciate them. The way you have treated me and strengthened me and supported me to continue working in Jesus. I, I couldn't have done anything without you, and all I can do is praise God for you. I thank God for you because, dear Choctaw, I love you. Paul said that he thanked God every time he thought of them. He yearned for them with the affection of Jesus Christ. That's some pretty strong language that you clearly see he loves them. And I can't help but echo that thought to you as I think about you. I want to ask you this question. How do you feel about the church in Choctaw? How do you feel about this body of people? When you think of this congregation, what's your initial feeling? You know, we live in a day and age of discontent, malcontent. You talk to people, they have negative opinions of about everything in life. When you think of this church, what's your feeling and opinion? My prayer is that when you think of this congregation, you think of it the way Paul thought of Philippi. Man, that's a wonderful people. I can't help but be thankful for them. I love them because they're my fellow Christian. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's someone who's serving the same mission as I am. That's part of my family. They encourage me. They support me. I could not live this life without them. I pray you feel that way about this congregation because you are a special group of people. If you don't know that, I don't want to encourage you to go visit around, but I go visit around a little bit. And I think you'll see this is a special, special church. If you feel that way about Choctaw, let me ask you this. Do you share and show your love and appreciation for this church? This is a blessing in Choctaw. Like I told you, I didn't know much about it. Let me tell you, I'm leaving with an incredibly high view of Choctaw. Like there is a little gym hidden right outside the metro. And if people ask me about it, oh, I have some good things to tell them. How do you feel about this church? What would you say to someone else? Do you tell people, when you speak about your church family or this church body, are you glowing and raving in review? I pray you are, because you should be, because this church is a beautiful and wonderful church. So do you share it, and do you show it? Like this week, when you go out, and you talk about Sunday morning or Wednesday night, when you talk about, when you see that Christian person in Walmart, whatever it is, when your kids... On the way home, when your kids are, are listening to what you say about what happened here today, do you rave about this congregation? I pray you do. And this morning I'll tell you, I, maybe we should do a better job of this before we say goodbye. You know, what's that phrase of, you know, I wish I would have left them roses before they passed, that idea? Are we giving roses to each other before it's too late? Dear Choctaw, I love you. I want you to know that. But one other thing that I want you to understand is, Dear Choctaw, I love your faith and love. Let's get a little specific. Flip over in your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Paul says here to this congregation... He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Keep reading. 
Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, or in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Uh, Paul wrote to this church that he really he had never been to. He'd only heard about him. We see a little later in the text around verse I think, 8 and 9, also in chapter 4, there's a man named Epaphras or Epaphras, depending on how southern you are and your pronunciation. He seems to be the person that taught them the gospel. And he comes and visits Paul 3,000 miles away in Rome. And he tells them all about this church and he wants them to strengthen and encourage them. And so Paul writes this letter and he says, here's what I've heard about you. There were two things there he says he's heard. So since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints, there were two qualities that stood out to Paul about this Colossian church that he wanted to mention. And the first was their faith. You have a genuine faith in Christ Jesus. They trusted their life to the Christ. They gave it over to him. They obeyed the gospel. They made Jesus their king by faith. These were a people that were led by God's word. They trusted the promises of God and they acted upon them. They lived and shared this message by faith. He says, you have a real faith. But he says, secondly, you have a real love for one another. We don't get any mentions in this book about how they loved each other. But simply he says, from what I know about you, there is a genuine agape, I want what's best for you kind of love within this group of people. And we don't know all the specific ways, but I think you and I can imagine or picture what a church family, an apostle would have to say, you're known for your love for one another would look like. There are people who invested in each other as they invested in God. They served one another. They were hospitable. They were charitable. They were encouraging. They wanted what was best for each other's souls. They looked out for each other. They exemplified what Jesus said in the Gospels when he would say, they will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, I knew nothing about you before I came here. And in this day and age of church shopping, church hopping, and church really dropping, to be honest, it's easy to go online and to look at a Google review or to go take one Sunday visit and say, well, that's gospel, that's, that must be everything they're about, and to just make an opinion and hold on to it and say, well, that's who they are. I'll tell you, though, in my time here, what I have experienced on a day-to-day basis, and if you're visiting with us this morning, I know this is really awkward of a lesson for you to join in on, but I'm telling you, this is a wonderful church, a wonderful church family. But here's what I've learned. You have a real genuine faith in Christ Jesus. You stress Jesus as the cause of our salvation. You stress the Christ and the cross and the resurrection and his, his grace that has caused us to have a relationship with him. It's grace that has done everything for us. It's Jesus dying and resurrecting that has brought us into this new kingdom. And you stress that. You want to hear the Bible and what God says. What does Mike call us? He says we're the Bible people. Because we have faith in Jesus' words. Marty says, you know, Marty always wants another verse. That's because we care about what God says here. We sing a song, Give Me the Bible. I think this is a church that means that song when they sing it. I want to hear what God says. That's what I've learned about you. You share that message in person and online to those around you. And it's working, by the way. Have you noticed that? Whether it's 
a ministry like Bible Talk around the world, but it's even working here. Think of all the people who've put on Christ in the past year. People from our community, young people, old people, does it matter? We're sharing the gospel, and it's working. Church, you trust God even in the trials of life. There are some of you here that are some of the greatest examples of I, that I know of faith in the midst of trial. And you exemplify that for all of us. And so when you look at this congregation, what I've learned is there is a real faith amongst its people, but also there's a real love. You're a loving church. Listen, it might be 50 below zero this morning, but it's much warmer when we're together. I don't mean because the thermostat works, by the way, either. There is a warmness amongst this people. This is a church filled with love. And, and I tried to think of some examples. I can't list them all, but, you know, it's, it's love like cards and gifts from the Hanks or the Weavers or the Allens or the Tabers or the Mazalongos. It's the fact that I can't go out to lunch without somebody buying my lunch every time I eat. It's encouraging text after lessons or messages from people like Jill Rodriguez or Jenny Anthony or Brandy McNeely. It's, it's the handshake you get from John Wright when you walk in the building. It is the welcome greeting from Harold, as he likes to say it. It's the hug from Rhonda Frizzell or Kim Weathers. It's the handshake from Robert Coley or Randall Webb. It's having you, it's letting people it's people inviting you into their home, like Dan and Becky Hunter, or Paul and Rachel Mazzalongo, or Marty and Debbie Kessler, or Carrie and Kendall Perkins, or Johnny and Nisi Henderson. It's the nice words you get from every, every shepherd when they see you. It's the laugh from Amy. <laughs> it's the funny giggle from the West kiddos. You, you are, she cheats when we play a, a staring contest. You know who I'm talking about. It's the cool handshakes with all the teenagers. I'm missing so many. Time would fail me to share them all, and I know I can't recall all of them, but there is a special love here and the simple things that we do every time we're together. And just as Paul said, the reason for that at the end of this verse was because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. When they heard the word of truth, when they heard the gospel, it changed their life, and that means it changed them. It changed the way they treat people. It was bearing fruit amongst them and increasing. And as I look out at you this morning, and I think about our time together and what I know about you, church, you are a people of genuine faith but great love. And it's because the gospel has changed you. And it's still changing you. And you have a hope that goes beyond this life that is causing you to bear fruit and to share that fruit with all of the world. Let me ask you this this morning. What do you know about this church? When you think of this congregation, what do you know about it? You know, if you're here a long time, maybe you have some church hurt. That's a reality of any church you go to for a long time because we're imperfect people. We do the wrong thing. We say the wrong thing. That would happen anywhere. But can you look beyond that? Do you see the wonderful, positive things going on amongst this group of people? Is this not a wonderful, loving, and faithful church family? Listen, what you know about, what you know about this church, I want you to realize this. What people in our community will know about the church in Choctaw is from what they know about you. This church had a reputation. Every church has a reputation, good or bad. This church will have one too, but that reputation comes from how you and I live our life in our community, how we live amongst each other.
how we treat the people who walk in we've never seen before, how we treat people when we're in Walmart or at a ball game. They're going to see that. And that's the reputation this church will get. And my reputation of this church is that it's a glowing and wonderful church. And I pray you feel that way too. Choctaw, I love your faith and love. Please continue to be a person of faith and love. So, dear Choctaw, never change. Uh, Somewhere in my seventh grade yearbook, there is a signature from an old classmate I never talk anymore with the words, never change. What a dumb thing to write in seventh grade, right? Aren't you glad that you don't look like you did when you were 13? Aren't you glad you don't think the way you did when you were 13? Uh, Every person on the planet, I think, wants to change from who they were at 13. God, if you are merciful, please don't let me stay 13 in body and mind forever. Puberty was awful. Listen, church, over time, things will change about you. You'll grow. You'll make decisions that best fit this congregation and your goals. That's natural. That's needed. Of course, we're not talking about anything scriptural in that way. But things will change. But, church, here's what I pray. I pray you will never change from being a people of genuine faith and God and His Word and being a people who have a deep, real love for one another. That should never change. And it's my prayer that God gives us this Gives us the time. In 10 years, people will visit here and experience faith and love. Then in 30 years, they will be here and they'll see faith and love. In 50 years, when most of us are gone, they will see faith and love. And it's my prayer that there will be faithful, loving men and women in the kingdom of God here in Choctaw until our Lord returns and reigns forever. That should be a prayer of this church by every single person. So live by faith, continue to love one another in the good and in the bad, and don't ever stop being that kind of person. Don't ever stop being that kind of church. And if you'll do that, I think one day God will speak about this congregation similarly to how he spoke about the church in Colossians and the church in Philippi. When he said, that's a faithful, that's a loving church, that's a church I'm thankful for. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Just this time we share together, it it does not lend itself to an invitation, but I would like to do this as we close. I would like to pray for you this morning, if you would allow me to. So if you would, would you pray with me? Father, I just want to say thank you for your church in Choctaw. God, in my experience, they are people who trust you, they love you, and it's evident in how they live and love one another. God, from what I can see, you are, are really making an impact in the hearts of people here. And I praise you for all you have done, for all you are doing, and all you are going to do. Father, I pray you will continue to bless this church as it seeks to fulfill its mission in this world. Father, please bless this eldership. I thank you and praise you for godly good men who are encouraging, supportive, and spiritual. Please give them good health. Please take care of their loved ones as they serve. God, please give them strength and courage to lead and shepherd as Jesus would. God, I thank you for the deacons in their service that often goes unnoticed. God, I pray that you will strengthen them in their service for you and that you will let them know how appreciated they are amongst us. God, I pray you bless the ministers here. You have brought together godly, kind, and humble men in Marty and Titus. They clearly love you. And I pray you will bless their ministries with success. Please work in what they are doing and teaching to grow your kingdom. 
God, bless their families as well. God, I thank you for Mike and for Hal and for their zeal for your mission and for the gospel. I pray they continue to reach more and more souls wherever they are in this world for your glory. And I pray you'd bless these men with success and health and their mission and their mission work. And I pray you'd, you'd be with their families as well. And God, when the time is right, I pray you'll bless the man who comes in and serves with this congregation. I pray he will be showered with love and support as he serves here in a way that I was. God, and I pray you'd bless his efforts. God, I thank you for every single person here, from the two-year-old to the mama to the grandmom. I thank you for our Bible class teachers, every person that sits in a pew this morning, for all those who couldn't be here this morning. They're a special group of people because of you and your saving work. And God, they are a special group of people because of their faith and love. And I pray that this faith and love will remain here until you return. I thank you for opening my eyes to this family. I thank you for connecting us. I pray they know how much they are loved and appreciated by me. I pray you encourage them as they have encouraged me, that you strengthen them as they have strengthened me. And God, most of all, I thank you for Jesus and what he has made possible in our lives through his cross and his resurrection. And God, this is my prayer to you this morning. Amen. Uh, This morning, if you do have a need, the invitation is always ready. Uh, Titus will come forward and lead us in a song, and maybe you need to become a Christian, or maybe you need encouragement or support. Maybe something's weighing you down in life, and you could use a hug. You could use a kind word. Uh, We would love to help you uh, today while we stand and while we sing.